All right, this is WFMU. You're listening to YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. I'm here in the studio with my grandma, Phyllis. Hey, Grandma. Hi, Andy. So, uh, why are we here live again? Why am I doing live shows? Why are you doing live shows? It may be because uh, you have a new job. That's right. And you don't have time to do all the recording in advance. That's right. So, <clears throat> you're here on your two legs, well, actually on your tush right now, sitting, and uh, interviewing your grandmother uh, because you had nobody better? No. I'm rel- <laughs> <laughs> While my show's in transition, I am relying on all my favorite regulars. So, you, you are one of those favorite regulars, and we're even going to have a live show with Randy coming up on May 7th, which I'm excited oh, for. Oh, yeah. That's going to be great also. I'm going to make you call into that one. <laughs> okay. Um, so, how have you been? I have been, well, every day I wake up in the morning, I'm a little bit surprised and pleased. And then I think what I'm going to do for the day to get into trouble or, or whatever. But uh, I'm fine. I'm, I've just uh, finished the Passover business. and uh, We had a lovely Passover for a lot of my friends oh this yeah, past that, weekend. I, I had never really done a Seder for uh, uh, people who were not Jewish. But these people were bright and wonderful and asked great questions. And uh, we tried to contemporize the story. Uh, And, uh, you know, wickedness, evil people are still with us. We don't have to look too far to find them. So that was the lesson. What did you think of my friends? They were wonderful. And there was one, one, two guys you really have good taste in, in friends. Uh, they were all great, but uh, Chris was absolutely marvelous. Uh, I guess I have a little connection to him because he is of, uh, his relatives were Malaysian, and you know my dear friend uh, Jamila is a Malaysian, and I've been to Malaysia, and I loved it, and all that kind of stuff. And he brought me, uh, he was most sensitive in bringing me uh, some Passover goodies, and uh, and folks know Chris from uh, a recent episode of YOY. It's the rebranding the friend zone episode. So that's a little bit of YOY trivia for you if anyone's been listening that closely. Well, he's a lovely young man. And then the uh, the young man you were with, uh, Michael, tall, very that's, tall. That's the guy I'm dating. And very nice. He is. Uh, he's almost too good for you. Oh, uh, but not not. <laughs> you know, he, okay. he's a, I, I hate to put the kiss of yeah. you know, the mark of anything uh, or to put the kibosh on it. But so you're saying really, he should uh, break up with me? Well, you better not. I'll kill him. <laughs> you better not break up with him either because I'll kill you. He, okay. He's really, he's, he's got empathy. He's got brightness. He's got, uh, there's well, a, there's he a puts up with us him. talking about him on radio shows that's something yeah he's he's really a nice guy and I I think he survived meeting the grandmother yeah I was really on the edge about you know inviting him and um because I just think meeting the family is important um because I don't want to get you to get too attached to him I don't want him to get too attached to you so I think you know we're just going to keep getting to know each other and things are going really well yeah 
Um, so that was Passover. Oh, and you met you met my friends Laura and Danny. You met oh. my friends um, Laura and Daryl. You met Priya, who came on and told the story about a dinner date that she went on. Um, she, pretty much everyone at, around the table has been on Y O Y in some way uh, over the years. Priya uh, comes. Uh, she's Indian girl. Uh, uh, red, uh, you know, the, the dot Indian, not not the. Indian American. She Indian. didn't have a dot, though. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. But her her mother does, and she was expressing uh, prejudice that has been leveled against her. So, uh, all of us, uh, Jewish, uh, Muslim, uh, black, uh, brown, as as she called herself, uh, we've all experienced it, and that's why I think the Seder story. As we contemporize it, we were sitting there, and we we were like living examples of it, and uh, it pleased me mightily. <laughs> well, it was a great time, and thank you so much for hosting all of my friends. It was really next great. year again. Yeah, absolutely. If not in Jerusalem, Upper East Side. Upper East Side. <laughs> um. So we came up with a great topic for tonight. Now, I have heard the stories that we are going to be sharing a bunch of times, but I plan to hear them with new ears tonight with you. These are stories of your supernatural experiences, your out-of-this-world experiences, things that have happened to you that you can't explain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the one, there may have been episodes when I was young, didn't know, know about it or, or, or think about it, but... The most, the first one that was unbelievable was uh, your grandpa, Gil Rosenzweig, and I were returning from a trip to Israel. It wasn't our first trip. It was, and that was about 30 years ago. And uh, we had left, it was during Christmas. I had talked my school into letting me take an extra week off uh, without pay, of course, and the okay, poor little so deaf kids were going to get yeah, along yeah, yeah. without me. Yeah, the guys yeah, are yeah. on the plane. We're on the plane coming home, and Grandpa was dozing, which I always resented, and I sort <laughs> of went... What's wrong with him dozing on the plane? Because I can't, you see. And and he just had this un- wonderful ability to fall asleep, and, and I was a little jealous. But anyhow, I had gone into some kind of doze myself and woke up very upset, and I nudged him with my elbow, and I said, wake up, Gilbert. And he said, what? I said, I have had a vision. And he said, go back to sleep. I said, Gilbert, I'm telling you, I had a vision. The heating system in the house broke down. The pipes froze, and then they burst. And our house has been flooded from stem to stern. That's what we're going home to. And he said, go to sleep. Is this something that you have done before where you've said, I had a vision? No, no. Not really. I didn't have a vision as to the sex of my children that I was carrying. You'd think I would have known that. Uh, No. As a mature adult, I do not remember any of that. Well, anyhow. But is it possible you had another vision and it proved wrong? 
And then you just forgot you ever had a vision? Maybe, but you're not letting me tell this story. Okay. So be quiet. Anyhow, we landed. We took a taxi to Sheila's, or your Aunt Sheila's apartment in Brooklyn because she had charge of our golden retriever, Sundance. We got to the apartment, went in, and there was no dog. So I said to Sheila, where's Sundance? And she said, oh, he's next door playing with little Leo, a teeny little rat-like dog. And why, why was and, he and, and, well, why isn't he here? And she said, well, Mom, if he were here and he saw you, he'd know he was going home. But he's not going home. And you're not going home. And I said, why are we not going home? And she said, well... While you were away, the heating system broke down, the pipes froze, they burst, they flooded the house from stem to stern, including in the closets, and there's a huge gaping hole in your kitchen down into the basement. And I left. And maybe God was being good to me, or somebody was being good to me, uh, because I was like half prepared for it and it happened which was I guess better than going into total hysterics and yes we went we went and we saw the damage and we spent about a week staying with friends out there in Bayshore and the rebuilding process eventually had to start it was quite a disaster Wait, can we just back up? What did, what did, tell me about the moment where Sheila told you the news one more time. I left. I left. Daddy just, uh, Grandpa just stood there uh, like. I just in installed a sound effect on my computer. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so now uh, we can tell it with a little more drama. Oh, okay, if you want to do that. But it was, uh, even <laughs> what it led up to was, was interesting in that, uh, yes, we had insurance to repair the damage, but I sat there for about a month pondering whether we just repair and then maybe sell the house or repair and go into a major okay. remodeling. Got it. So how do you th what do you think that, was that, that premonition was about? Where do you think it came from? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say... God came and told me, because I'm not sure God bothers with the little things. He's not doing too good with a lot of the big things, too. Uh, but is there some other something to life? I don't know. And I didn't credit it with anything other than it was, and it was just something that I knew. And uh, I can't say I would have been disappointed if the house had been intact, uh, but it wasn't as much of a shock. It was it was like I had gotten you know this pre warning. What do you, where do you think the you you still you're saying you don't think it was God? No. You think there's something more to this world? What do you think is more to this world that would have told you that? Well, it's not in this world. It, it's not extraterrestrial. I, I'm not a theologian. I, I can't really explain it. I don't think it was angels or devils. But there is something that gives me a particular faith that 
say death isn't the end. It's the end of life as we know it. What does that have to do with you knowing that your pipes burst? It's it's to say whatever spirit or evanescence or, or whatever happens, there is something that you can get messages somehow if you are tuned to it. And maybe the night uh, that, that I got this message, because I was dozy and I was in sort of a, a fugue state, a, a kind of a relaxed state, maybe I could hear this where at other times in my life, maybe there was a message coming, but I didn't get through because of all the static mm. all around me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just have a very large question mark, and I have, I have not got a positive-negative, positive-negative, right, about any of this. I'm just, I'm keeping an open mind. We want to hear your stories of pipes bursting and you knowing that they burst. We want to hear the stories of strange coincidences in your life that you still don't have ex- explanations for. Tell me and my grandma Phyllis all about it. The number to call is 201-209-9368. And we're also checking out your stories on the WFMU playlist page, WFMU.org. Nick the Bard is here call screening for us, and uh, we really want some stories. We want to try to make sense of what this is all about. I don't know if, if you can make sense out of something like that. Theologians and philosophers have been trying for how many thousands of years uh, to make sense of any of this. And uh, I just accept what was. And, well, this lovely grandfather of yours died and actually he died a very gentlemanly death as if death can be gentlemanly and a few years after that after I had decided to move into the city I had befriended a woman and uh, she in a bereavement group I should say and we became friends, and she met a guy. She was dating him. And where Rhoda and I traveled around the world together and stuff like that. Now there was a third person, so she decided we needed a fourth person, somebody for me. And one evening when I was out visiting with her, she took me upstairs and showed me something on her computer. And it was a dating service, a senior dating service. And I said, oh, no, please, let's not do this. And she said, I'm not letting you out of your seat. You're going to read these ads. And I did. The ads from the women, oh, my God, they were beautiful. They were blonde. They were slim. They They were tall. They were rich. And they liked long, moonlit walks on on sandy beaches. And the men were God's delightful women. They they could drive at night and and, uh, all kinds of terrific things. And I I read this. I said, go away. I am not interested. I, I can't do this. And she said, I'm not letting you out of your chair until you do. That's a good friend. So I sat there at her computer and I wrote... 65-ish, plumpish, Jewish. 
uh, lives in New York City. Non-New Yorkers need not apply. Clicked it, and I was done. I got up, and I thought, there is nobody going to respond to this. So leave me alone. Well, actually, by the time I got into the city, uh, the beginning of the week, there were people who responded. And... Uh, it was, you know, via the computer, and uh, varying sorts applied, and uh, I learned quickly to weed them out, and uh, like the gun collector. Yep. And hunter. Ugh. And the guy said he wanted to make it with an older woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, one wanted to know what it would be like to make it with a grandmother. Uh, there was a, so we didn't go for that one. But the following week, a note came through, uh, will I do? I am a native New Yorker, but I have just moved across the uh, river to New Jersey. And he seemed pleasant enough. And so we corresponded. And turned out he also was an engineer, sort of like Gil. And he seemed pleasant enough. And I, I said, well, I only have one available date, and then I'm going to California. Yeah, I was really very fussy about it. S set up the date, had a fail-safe. I had a couple of my friends worked in the neighborhood of the restaurant we were going to go to, etc. And if I didn't like him, well, I have to meet my daughter for dinner, and then we have opera. But we really did honestly have opera that night. And uh, met the guy perfectly lovely pleasant man I got the thumbs up from my friends and uh, I said goodbye to him and I said I'll be back in January and in January I got an enormous bouquet of flowers delivered to me from FTD and uh, a lovely note and of course that I was had not product placement just to clarify everyone <laughs> no but it's truth could have been any floral delivery, okay. But yes. it, he didn't just pick up the flowers at the local Christides either. Yeah. And uh, so I called him and I thanked him. And um, he came in and we had a date. We had theater. He picked me up at my house. We got into a taxi. And the man said, well, we're off like a herd of turtles. I was, oh, there go your sound effects. <laughs> and I was, uh. Why is that an important thing that he said right then? I, my spine just tightened up every, and I, I turned to him and I said, Saul, why did you say that? And he said, I don't know. I never say that. And why are you asking? He asked me. I said, well, my husband Gilbert said that every time we got in the car with the kids. And I took that as a direct message from above or wherever they're floating around. I think my mother had her hands in this one also, that this guy was sent to me. I could hear my mother saying, it's okay, guys. She's had enough years as a widow. It's time that she moves on, yada, yada. And Saul got presented to me. And I married him a year later. 
He was, yeah, he was an incredible husband for you and a grandfather to me. Yes. But I just want to, let's just, let me just ask you some questions real quick. Sure. How old was um, your first husband? What year was he born? He was born in 1929, and he died when he was 65. What year was Saul born? 1925. So they were, they were born within five years of each other. Right. Where were they both raised? Saul was raised in Manhattan, and Gil was raised in Brooklyn. Is it an impossible thing that two men within five years of each other who are, who, you know, watched the same television shows, you know, what raised families. those years, come on. Whatever. They had the same cultural experiences in their life. Isn't it possible that they would both happen to know this phrase, we're off like a herd of turtles, and find it appropriate when they're with you to say that? No. Not possible. I absolutely deny it. Because most people have never even heard the expression, we're off like a herd of turtles. But what, what if Saul had turned out to be a giant jerk and that was just like a false flag? We would have forgotten that story. You know, like that story is important to us because Saul proved to be such an important person in both of our but lives. see, I knew from that message that he was sent to me. You didn't know from the FTD flowers, the choice to go out to the theater, the comfort no. that you felt, the way no, he no, smelled. I, des- I deserved the flowers. I mean, I was a lovely, charming uh, first date. You know, I, of course I deserved the flowers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just want to say that this, this, this se- doesn't seem like totally impossible that this happened to me, but it, it does become a wonderful memory. Yes, it does. On line one, we have Robert from the Bronx. Welcome to YOI, Robert. Hello. Well, I used to commute home from uh, Columbia U with a classmate named Emil, and, uh, Sometimes we would ride up from uh, 96 to 135th Street on the 3 just to avoid the crowds and then get off and wait for a 2. We were doing that one time, and he was telling me uh, a science fiction story about, uh, for some reason, uh, people all started wanting to do the same thing at the same time until government had to ration things to prevent crowds in one place and absences in another. And just after he got finished telling me that story, we noticed the train went through. It was packed. We, we uh, couldn't get on it, except for the last car, which was absolutely empty. So we cracked up. Then we got on the next two train, and uh, it was being held in the station for quite some time. And he said, well, they're probably just waiting for one more person to get on. One more person entered the car, they closed the doors, and we were off. (laughs) Then, then, as we were on the L, uh, he noticed there was a slight gap in the closure of one of the doors. He pointed it out and said, you know, somebody ought to come and fix that. As soon as he got done saying that, someone did indeed come in and worked on it to fix it. This was getting rather spooky <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, we got to East 180th Street. Now, he had the choice. I, I had to change to the uh, 5 to get home. He had the choice of, of either riding one more stop on the 2 or changing to the 5. And although he usually changed to the 5, he said, eh, today I think uh, 
I'll uh, change the two. I think I'll, I'll stay on the two. I think I'll get there faster. Even though there was ostensibly a five train waiting in the center track of the platform. Okay, I got off to change to that, but that train never opened its doors. Hmm. And eventually it pulled out without taking on any passengers. The train <laughs> and I to had nowhere. a long wait <laughs> before eventually a five came in. So that was his hot streak, and I was there witness it <laughs> over 40 years ago. Why do you think you still remember that story? Wouldn't you? We're <laughs> talking to doubt, Doubting Thomasina here. <laughs> doubting Thomasina. You think I'm making it up? No. She thinks, uh, she just doesn't think that there's... I just feel like out of all the train rides, of course the probability says that some will have phenomenal coincidences all in a row. I feel like, you know, it's stacked for me and it's stacked against me sometimes, but mathematically that's supposed to balance out like that. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I could I could present you with other synchronicities from my life, but I'll, I'll leave do. that at that one because uh, that yeah. one was especially a hot streak. Oh, yeah. So what do you think is going on? In, like, if this is a message from the universe, what is that message for you? Oh, well, I, I never thought of it in that those terms. I'd say the message was, um, hey... <laughs> follow Emil the rest of that day and uh, if he uh, places any bets, bet with him. (laughs) So wait, why don't you think of, what terms do you think of it in if you don't think of it as a message from the universe? Oh. Let's see. Uh, I guess I gave it the the name Hot Streak. That's how I've been referring to it ever since. Uh, I haven't told that story in quite a while, but I remember first coming up with that name, uh, hot streak. Uh, What do I think of it as? Well, that's the thing. Um, The late Robert Anton Wilson said that the universe is is, uh, funny, not only in the strange, but also in the ha-ha sense. And uh, he's right. Yeah. I like that. Right. Great call, Robert. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great night. We're taking calls tonight at 201-209-9368. We want to hear your stories of supernatural experiences, things that you cannot explain, hot streaks, moments when the universe is acting funny. And we are also taking your comments on the playlist page at WFMU.org. You like that one, Grandma? That was a good story? Yeah. uh, I think everybody... Can, has stories like that. I uh, I just nurture mine, and uh, what can I tell you? I, they were uh, very comforting to me, and there were people who asked me, if you loved your first husband so much, how could you even think of loving somebody else? And that's the other wonderment of it all, is that I never stopped loving Gil, but that I could still, with a full heart, love Saul, take on his family, and love his family too. Do uh, you think? Do you think of the herd of turtles moment as a sign, a blessing from Gil? Yes, I really do. Hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about a coincidence in my life that I think is just a coincidence. 
Okay. Um, so a few months ago, I was at a conference, and I met a nice guy, and he was a filmmaker. He just finished a film with his ex-wife, whose name was, um, she had a really unique name, Penny. And, uh, and we were at a bar, and he said, I want to take you out. I know I don't even, he didn't even live in New York City. He's like, I just want to take you out. I'm going to fly to the city next weekend. We're going to go on a date. I said, I don't know. That seems like a lot. He's like, I want to go to the city anyways. And there's this award conference, this awards that I've been invited to. And I was on the edge, but I'm going to go. And um, we got closer to the date. And I got, I got cold feet. And I just, I felt like there was a lot of pressure for this date. And I wasn't sure how interested I was. And uh, I backed out. That night of the awards, the guy that I'm now dating matched with a woman on the dating app Tinder. And, uh, and they met up after she'd gotten back from an awards ceremony. Turns out she was the ex-wife <laughs> yeah. of the guy who I met in Virginia. And then Mike and I were sitting on our first date a couple months later. And I said, what? It was Penny? <laughs> 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 I can't believe it. Um, so it was, it was, does that, it seems like a coincidence to me, it seems like we're just a small world, single people, cultural, interesting people, whatever. It doesn't seem like it's a sign from the universe. It just seems like mathematically, of course, that happened. I don't know. I, I, I think somehow the ma- well, don't talk to me about mathematics anyhow, but uh, that the mathematics can be finagled somehow. But uh, <laughs> is that random, though? Well, I'll tell you another funny thing. You know, there's an old joke. If you mm-hmm. if if two Jewish people meet up from from opposite coasts, within ten minutes they will have found mutual relatives. Hmm. They call it Jewish geography. <laughs> <laughs> but these people were not Jewish. Well, no, yeah. but but uh, I'm sure it happens uh, with uh, other uh, people also. But that's one of the jokes that we always have. That uh, if if you talk with somebody long enough, you're going to find out that uh, you know you have somebody in common. And uh, yeah, no, that's true. I yeah, Facebook, whatever. Okay, line one. Joining us now is Mark from Stone Ridge. Welcome to Why. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. Do you have a story of a crazy coincidence in your life? The one that I've never forgotten, yes, I graduated oh, about 40 years ago from Manhattan School of Music, and I didn't know what to do with my life after graduation, so I decided I was going to hop freight trains across country. And uh, I didn't want to do it alone, so I put an ad up in the, in the, um, the youth hostel down in the village, met a woman. The next day we took off, we went up to Montreal, and then traveled across, uh, across Canada. Anyway, I woke up in Calgary and realized I didn't particularly like this person and I really wanted to be traveling by myself. And I told her so, and we had a really nasty falling out, and she said, you know, goodbye, the hell with you. And um, I walked up to the highway, and I was really, really scared. I didn't know where I was going. I had no money in my pocket. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm not a religious person. I've never prayed in my life, but I prayed for the first time. I said, God, I need to see somebody I know. Please send me somebody I know. And I was standing by the highway for maybe five minutes when a van pulled up. Guy opened the door. He had these silver sunglasses, you know, that you can't see through. He took the sunglasses off, 
and it was my piano teacher uh, from Manhattan School oh, Music, where no. I just graduated from. Yeah, amazing, right? Mark, what do you think that's about? Where do you, what, is it a funny universe? Is it a coincidence? How do you make sense of that? In all these years, I still haven't made any sense of it. He had just, he was an amateur mountain climber. He just flew into Calgary with his family, just rented that van, and just passed me by. <sighs> I, I, I don't know what to make of it after all these years. Well, you see, that's the thing. I don't either. But I believe <laughs> it happened, and it was supposed to happen. Uh, sure. But the, and you, the, would think, you would think that I would have uh, prayed again after that, but I think it scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Beware of what you pray for. It might come true. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Use it sparingly. That's what wonderful, have, Mike. What Mike, have you done with your, mu- with your music training since then? Oh, well, I'm a composer, and I play lots of instruments. I'm on about 30 CDs, and I've uh, traveled around the world. I've worked at Abbey Road Studios. I, um, I've done all sorts of things. Wow, you, so- you sound like somebody I'd like to meet. <laughs> Uh, no, no, well, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make out or anything. <laughs> no, that's fine. If you have my phone number, you can call me. I'd be happy to talk to you. You live in the city? <laughs> no, I live outside of Woodstock, New York. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's got to be somebody New York's New York resident only. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my dear. No, <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate Thanks for the call. story. That was great. All right. Um, we have Wilson online, too. Welcome to the show, Wilson. Hey, how are you, Andrea? What's going on? Oh, no, it's Mr. Seven Second Delay. It is. It is. Thank you. Yeah, Quinn is in the other room with the baby. Otherwise, she would tell this story, but I think I can, I think I can manage to relate it. How's um, baby Charlie? Charlie's great. He's so fat. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. His cheeks are, like, dripping off his face. I will like every photo forever. That's the rule I make for good babies. Oh, it's hard not to, right? Because if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> How old is this munchkin? He's only three months, but there's just, he has begun to assume personhood. Isn't it incredible how quickly they do have oh a personhood God. and you can predict their behaviors? And of course, they yeah, can you predict do get, yours. You do get used to some stuff, but then they like, they, they really like uh, turning that on its head right away pretty much. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you pick up on a, on a rhythm, it just disappears or changes completely. <laughs> Okay, so tell us your story of incredible okay, coincidence. Yeah, so yeah, this is uh, significantly less profound than the previous story, but I think it's an example of the same kind of a thing. And I don't know, I'm not going to go fishing for meaning after, I don't know. But um, we were making a seven-layer dip, one of those like Fritos, lettuce, yeah. Doritos, sour cream, guacamole, beans, crazy dip. I call it an and, exercise um, of futility. So we, we were making this huge dip to take over to a friend's Super Bowl party. And, you know, I make up weird songs when I'm doing stuff. We're making the dip, and I, I somehow I called it a spivey. This is a spivey. We're making a spivey. It's lively. I don't know what I was saying. So Quinn, my lovely wife, comes running in and said, what did you call that? I said, spivey. She said, no way. Because the only other time that she'd had that same dish was as a child at her neighbor's, the spiveys, decades before we met. Oh. Period. What is that? You don't want to give it big meaning, but what do you think it means? I don't know. I don't think it. Look, I don't think it has any direct meaning on my life. I think I think it touches on what you were saying earlier, which is there's some sort of mathematical probability happening here. Like, for instance, uh, you think you have a unique birthday, but if you really look into it, 
having the same birthday as someone in the same room as you or especially in the same building as you is extremely frequent. Um, yeah. So things like that, There, it just seems like there's some mathematical variance. And if you make up a word every couple of weeks, eventually you'd make up a word that had <laughs> Quinn, some. Quinn, like... has, Quinn is nursing the baby. She has an opinion. I'm passing off the phone. Lovely to speak with you. <laughs> you too. And, uh, Thank great. you. I love your show. Here's, here's Quinn. Miss Seven Second Delay, welcome to YOY. Hi, thanks or, for having uh, me. Mrs. Seven Second Delay. <laughs> um, so I think what it has to do with is, um, you know, people have weird uh, brains that remember little things for no reason. Like, I'm sure, like, at one point a long time ago, I was talking to Wilson, and people that are married or been together for a long time tell pretty much anything that's ever happened to them at some point because you run out of stories to tell. So I figure I must have at some point said, oh, man, I wish I were a little seven-layer dick. I see him at the Spivey's house when I was a kid. And, you know, somehow it gets filed away in his brain, and then it surfaces when he sees a seven-layer dip again. I think that's all it is. Yeah. It's just like you have the, these deep filing cabinets, and you don't really know what's in there sometimes. Yeah, there's nothing romantic about it, really. Well, in this case, especially. Do you hear Charlie? <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear him. <laughs> Grandma, do you have any advice for a new mom? Do I have any advice for a new mom? Uh, do you get a night's sleep? Yeah, we are, but everyone says don't tell anybody that. Oh, <laughs> my daughter didn't give me a night's sleep until the second one was born. So oh. I, I always say if you can get a good night's sleep, you can just about tolerate any of the stuff that goes on during the day. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. So far. And the other thing, of course, you probably know is that when it takes a nap, if you need a nap, you take one. Except I yes. know probably that's when you try to get a little housework done or a little cooking done, or if you're doing anything professional, you're going to run and do that while the kid is uh, snoozing away. Right. Or catch up on Gilmore Girls on my uh, and, and my just. Neck. Remember all the wonderful, think about all the wonderful things that you're going to be seeing when, when, when he starts to crawl and when he really, really recognizes you and uh, will respond to some uh, words and sounds. And uh, you really want to watch that, actually. Uh, you probably know now whether he can hear or not, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because... Well, I taught deaf children, but that's a whole other story. Uh, Are you calling <laughs> Charlie deaf? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, because I had uh, young deaf parents, when they had their babies, they brought them to my school so that I could tell them whether their baby was deaf or not because they couldn't yeah. tell. Yeah, but that's 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 another kind of thing, uh, and uh, it's, those are stories for another day. Enjoy every stage of this kid's life. And Thank you. I am already. <laughs> I know. It, it's, it's very exciting. Okay. Thank you so much for the call. That was a great story. A plus. You're welcome. Bye. See All right. Joining us now from um, Mount Cisco is Scott. Welcome to the show. Hi. Do you have a story of the supernatural that you'd like to share with me and my grandma Phyllis here on Why? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, this was back in the 70s. I was in grad school, and uh, I met my Zen teacher at that time. And weird things always happened around him. But I would drive out there, you know, like once or twice a month to talk to him about my practice. And 
uh, we were talking one day. We had we were, had we were having herbal tea, and he was talking about how everything's connected. You know that uh, it's our. He was saying it's our arrogance that dices up the world into these separate objects, but they're really all all connected. And I remember thinking at the time, well, what about the moon? You know, how is that connected? You know, with uh, our teacups or and, et cetera. And then I thought about the stars, and I, I just, I couldn't, for some reason I got hung up on this. I couldn't remember the name of the nearest star. And I, this was bothering me because I was drawing a blank. I should have, I wanted, I figured I should know it because I was a physics major. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in the middle of this, he stops, he picks up his teacup, and he says, this cup is connected with Alpha Centauri. Yep. Well, that's it. And that's the nearest star. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me hit my drama button. (laughs) (laughs) She's got all these uh, wonderful sound effects. (laughs) Um, That's incredible, Scott. What do you think that's about? I think he was just connected, you know. Um, uh, I think people like that, they don't see a difference between them or separation between them and others. I mean, he was always seemed to be, you know, knowing what I was thinking or doing. Um, I think it's, you know, it's just there in a different place. Hmm. Thank you so much for the call. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you. All right. We're taking your calls at 201-209-9368. We want to hear stories of your supernatural experiences. This is YOY, and I'm joined by my grandma, Phyllis. Um, I know you have one more important story that I want to be sure to get to. But, um, oh, it's... Which one? It's the one about the paper that you found in a desk. Oh, But I'm going to make you hold on to it for just a second. Okay, yeah. so I have I have an experiment I want to try. Um, on, on me? Just on, on all of us. Oh, okay. Um, so last week at the on the playlist page, um, I got a comment, and I can't tell if it's a real person or spam. <laughs> but um, do you know what I mean when I say spam? It could be just Not like the stuff that comes in the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just like junk mail. Yeah. Um, so the per- the commenter said. Um, I was with a guy for three years, and he always told me he loved me and that we wouldn't break up because if you love someone, you make it work. We could never work out a time when we were both free, and just a couple days ago, he said we should just be friends. I know he didn't love me anymore. When we were dating, he said to everyone that I was his girlfriend and introduced me and told his friends that he really liked me and told me that he loved me. I wanted to be with him again, but I never know what to do. I tried for a long time with other spellcasters to get him back, but only Dr. Marnish at yahoo.com was the spellcaster that could do it. He could do the love spell that worked. If you need help, call him at this number and he will always come to your aid. Obviously, Dr. Marnish is the real deal. Should I call this phone number? Uh, why not? Uh, that reminds me of the story that you taped Mm-hmm. When I went to see a psychic. Yeah. But, uh, try that one. Uh, I, I suspect it's, it's, a, it's a large baloney, but I don't know. What the heck? Oh, okay, let's try this again. Okay. Oh. Am I supposed to keep talking or something? Yeah, I need you to keep talking while I do that. Okay, I need to keep talking. Um, I, uh... Who would, who would we put a love cast on? Love spell on? Me. 
<laughs> okay. I'm ready for another one. So what's happening? I need you to talk. I need, to I, I need to talk. Well, I figure out the thing. Oh, okay. Um, as I had said before, people wondered how I could have uh, cared for somebody the second time, and uh, and they they worried that he, being that bit older than me, that that I would wind up taking care of a sick old man, and I said, well, you know what. I'll take my chances. So while we were still going with each other, yeah, I was in Paris. I fell. I had a terrible accident. Had to be shipped home. This man took care of me. I and know. Hold on a second. If you'd like to make a call, oh, boo. <laughs> Doctor Martin's night might not be real. Uh, maybe not. And uh, you're striking out like Andy uh, did before with, with that telephone. Okay. I'm not striking out as bad as Andy attended uh, no, that tonight. No, was, that was really a problem. Yeah, no, they got an idea in their head that, that was going to be difficult to realize. Um, okay, we're trying, it, we're trying it one more time. Uh, okay, we're trying it one more time. All right. But basically, while it's ringing, uh, I would say that my thesis is as long as you're alive and walking, you're able to love and be loved, and you should go for it. Nobody should be alone Hi, if they don't want to be. Five, zero, three, six, six, Do you want to leave a message for Dr. Marnish? Please leave your message after the tone. Is this the love doctor? I need your help, but I can't give you my telephone number over the air. You'll have to try to contact me through WFMU Radio if you want publicity and notoriety and if this isn't one big fraud. All right, Dr. Marnish, we need a love spell. <laughs> Send an email to Andrea at freemusicarchive.org. <laughs> that, maybe that'll work. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yes, we will indeed. Um, but let's let's just try our own love spell for you. I think you have to send an intention out into the world. Well, actually, I did, didn't I? When when I went on that uh, uh, dating site. Yeah. Uh, it was an interesting thing that happened some years later. Uh, Saul and I were married for eight years. We fooled around for one. And uh, then sadly, he died in 07. I think it was 07, wasn't it? I, I'm not good on dates anymore. And um, I continued my life. And it's been still a fulfilling one. One day, I was sitting at my desk. And I needed some scrap paper. And as everybody who has a computer and a printer knows, some of the stuff comes out and the paper is, is only usable for scrap. And uh, so I reached into the drawer, my scrap drawer, and pulled out a piece of paper. And I started to write whatever my shopping list probably. And uh, just for the heck of it, I turned the page over to see what was on it because it was like a full page of print. Uh oh, the love doctor's calling back. Oh! 
Hi, you're on the radio. Yeah? I don't think I have a good signal in here. Is this Dr. Marnish? Hello? Hi, is this Dr. Marnish? Oh. Uh-oh, that did not work. We lost the duck. Maybe he'll call <laughs> back. Well, anyhow, I turned the piece of paper over, and on it was a picture and the full bio and story of Saul, which I had never, ever seen because he had contacted me via the computer. I never, I never went back to that dating site or anything. I never saw this piece of paper. And three years after the fact, it's in my junk drawer. Hi, you're on the radio. Yeah, this is Dr. Manish. Uh, I think we're in need of a love spell. Okay, so um, how do I help you? Well, um, my grandma, here, I'm going to hand you over to my grandma, Phyllis. Oh. Uh, I am, I'm Andrea's grandmother. I am twice widowed, and I, I live in New York City, and Andrea got a message last week on her radio show from somebody promoting you as having the best love spells out there, and uh, I would just love to meet a nice person to uh, accompany me in the city to the different venues that I go to. I, I would like to be on somebody's arm and have somebody special caring for me. All right. Okay. Um, um, can you send me a text message, please? Uh, I'm sorry. I a text message. He's interested. Oh, in text okay. Message. Yeah. Well, uh, Andrea. Uh, the radio hostess of this show, she will send you a text message, and uh, I hope you reply. What does what needs to be in the text message? What needs to be in the text message? Um, I want you to send me your email address. Okay, I will send okay. you an email address. Where is he based? How long has he been doing spells? Here. How much does it cost? How long have you been doing spells? How, wh what's your background? I've been doing spells for the past 10 years. So um, I'm not new to it, okay? So it's something I do every day. So please text me your email address. I'll tell you everything you need to know, okay? I don't, we don't, I, don't, I, I just need to know a little bit more about your qualifications before we can make now this I'm work. I'm telling you, text me your email address. Then I will reply you. I'll give I'll send you the mail, and I'll tell you everything you need to know about my spell, okay? Okay, thank you. We'll text you. Thank you, Dr. Marnish. I am not giving out my email address. Yeah. We might text him, and but... Uh, I just don't know how many bitcoins this is going to cost us. What's a bitcoin? I don't know. <laughs> also known as fairy dust. Um, joining us is uh, Daniel and Montclair. Welcome to YOY. Hi, it's wonderful to be on the show. I have a story about a supernatural event. Do yes. tell. <laughs> so um, a number of years ago, uh, I was moving. I finished school in Wisconsin. I was moving uh, to Philadelphia to 
to go to rabbinical school. I didn't know anybody, and uh, somebody said, oh, you could, uh, there's an extra room in our house, and you could stay there while you're looking for an apartment. And I lived there for just a couple of weeks, and then I found an apartment. But a few years later, um, I met a young woman, I fell in love, and I said to her, oh, I want to show you the house that I moved into the very first time, uh, first day I got to Philadelphia. So I drove out of the city to where this house was in Mount Airy, and I drove by the house, and I said, okay, see that house? That's the house that I first stayed in when I came to Philadelphia. And she was just shocked. Her whole face lost, her, lost its color, and she just said, that's the house that I grew up in when I was a little girl. Oh, wow. And we've been married now for 19 years. We have three wonderful children. But there's something about that moment that I just can't explain. Well, uh, and you're a rabbi, and you're supposed to talk about God. What do you think God had to say about <laughs> well, this? Rabbis don't talk about God all the time. We talk about, you know, stuff that matters in people's lives. I, I, I think I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a Jew for 84 years. <laughs> you know, I don't have to tell you. So, so you you hold on to that story, but like if you had to come up with what it's about, what would you? How would you explain it to someone if you had to decide right now? What does it all mean? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I I kind of think that it all means that even though I think that the world is a beautiful random mess, some things are meant to be, and the way that we talk about that Jewish is you know terms is b'shert, like it was something that was intended. Absolutely. And you know, that's how I feel about some of these things. Like, I would call them supernatural because I can't really explain them with science and logic and a bunch of other things. But a lot of random events happened, and they linked up, and that was one of them. Oh, this is absolutely perfect that you called at this moment, and I thank you, Rabbi. Uh, are you still being a rabbi? <laughs> yes, I am, and I wish you a lot of luck with your love connection. Where, where are you? Uh, in you still in the uh, Philly area? No, I live in Montclair, New Jersey. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I uh, uh, what what you just said is the the perfect conclusion for the uh, hour, and it is uh, just almost. The hour. Thank you so I, much. I, for I your thank call, you so much. That is my pleasure. I love your show. Keep going. <laughs> thank you so much. I love that word, Bashert. It's like always meant. I mean, tell me about the history of that word to you, and kind of try to define it for me. Meant to be. Uh, they say that about men and women, and in hindsight, I could tell you that when I was nine years old. I met this funny-looking kid with the curly hair and the broken, blackened front teeth, and I knew, I knew that was my fate, and I fought against that fate, against that guy, uh, for a lot of years until I married him when I was 22 and he was 23. Yeah. Uh, it's something you know. It's somebody you know. It's sometimes you can be in a, a room full of strangers and meet one person, and there's a sudden connection, and that and that that'll be a friendship that'll be yours for fifty years, and it's just beshared, meant to be. Well, you know that this has been a dating show. You know, a lot of why why is me talking about dating with people, and I actually have had that question in my head recently, which is. 
You know, can two people be meant to be? Like, yes. Yes. The divorce rate's 50%. Uh, yeah. And Or more. You know, like, were my parents who are now divorced, were they meant to be? How do you understand meant to be in a world with, with that being the truth? Well... I can't explain your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, t- <laughs> so like uh, single people and like women in my, people in my position where you're single and you're looking at all these people in your life and you're like, is this person, are we meant to be but, when you meet someone? You're on an Cupid date and you're sitting down, you're having coffee. If they don't happen to say we're off like a herd of turtles, what else do you have to go on to know that that's that's meant to be and what who's making that be and it's just very confusing sadly i cannot answer that because there was all those years when i when i dated both other guys when i was in college and all that i always knew he was there and he was always the one i compared people to uh because i loved him before i was in love with him yeah. Maybe that's part of it. And maybe, I, I don't know, uh, sometimes you really have to work at marriage. Even if somebody is your beshert, uh on a day-to-day basis, they may do something that irritates you, uh, and you yeah. may do something that irritates them. Uh, it's like, I just think in a world where it's so hard to know what's right for you, we have to cling to these weird coincidences and and have them help tell our story. We need something to give something significance, and I feel like that's where these stories come in for me. Could be. It's that it'd be easier to make decisions if I felt like it was, it was a sign from our funny universe. On the other hand, in, in many other ways other than romance, uh, Sometimes you have to go with the flow. What do you think the likelihood was that I would ever make this friend in Malaysia? I don't know. And, and, I saw and that you talk to like would have changed. I saw you talk to like five people on the train on the way here. You're just always out trying to make friends. No, you just I only talked to, to that th- one girl. Okay. And she said how lucky I was the guy gave me a seat because when she was pregnant, nobody gave her a seat. But uh, she could <laughs> have turned out to be your best friend. And when you, you happened to sat, sit down next to your... Uh, but this also, it's what you give out into the world, the vibrations you give to the world, th- whether you're open to it or not. Yeah. I could have just said, yes, you're at the right bus stop to that woman. Yeah. Instead of having an international friendship and 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 uh, at my age traveling off to Asia and 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 having the adventures I had uh, and and that should be a metaphor for life go with it yeah go with it yeah I love that take a chance that's it for today's show take a chance go with it thank you so much grandma Phyllis I've loved having you on the show as usual I love being here with you Because the more I'm with you, the more I know about you, and you're just so wonderful. You're the best grandma ever. We're going to have you back real soon. Okay. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online at WFMU.org. Stay tuned for Dave Emery.
Hi, Dave Emery here. This is Side One, uh, for the record, program number 781. All's well that's all well. The Ministry of Truth and the Ukrainian Crisis, subtitled Yushchenko Uber Alice. This has been recorded on March 14th of the year 2014. We have a lot to talk about, and necessarily, as is so often the case, uh, the arguments presented on this program, really the documentation, will be best understood and grasped when taken in the context of the other material that I've done on this program, on the subject, I should say. Uh, for the record, programs 777, 778 present background on the OUNB, the Ukrainian fascist organization allied with the Third Reich, uh, having staffed SS formations and having participated in the Einsatzgruppen, the mobile killing squads that liquidated Jews and Poles and other enemies of the, quote, Aryan race on behalf of the Third Reich. Uh, they then jumped to Western intelligence, CIA in particular, at the end of the war, continuing guerrilla warfare that they had begun under the Wehrmacht, under the German high command, up until the early 1950s. The OUNB then uh, morphed into a key part of the Republican Party's ethnic outreach organization. It participated in the assassination of President Kennedy, who was looking to defuse Cold War tensions with the former Soviet Union. They were deeply involved in the destabilization of the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe. And as we looked at in For the Record 778, and as we came back to in 779, when Viktor Yushchenko was elected president of the Ukraine or came to power through the so-called Orange Revolution, a woman formerly named Ekaterina Chumachenko was his wife. Uh, Ekaterina Chumachenko was a key member of the top OUNB front organization in the United States that is called the U. CCA. Perhaps more to the point, she was Ronald Reagan's deputy director of public liaison. She then became the first lady of the Ukraine under Yushchenko, and I strongly suspect that she was the real whip hand, sort of the Lucretia Borgia of the Ukraine. Mr. Yushchenko was poisoned under somewhat ambiguous circumstances. The poisoning was blamed on the Russians. I've got my doubts. There's no definitive information. Knowing how the OUNB and its allies operated, and they uh, were in the, the BND, which controlled elements of OUNB, appears to have murdered, or underground like and BND, appears to have murdered Stefan Bondera, the head of the OUNB, then blamed it on the Soviet Union and the KGB, and then that in turn was linked to the alleged KGB assassin Lee Harvey Oswald and his supposed murder of President Kennedy. I have a hunch that in keeping with OUN, uh, B cynical and Third Reich cynical methodology, that actually it was some of his allies who poisoned Mr. Yushchenko, who then became a disfigured living martyr. I suspect that uh, Ekaterina, the former Ekaterina Chumachenko, now Ekaterina Yushchenko, 
was the real power behind the throne, against what the Lucretia Borgia of the Ukraine. In matters of this kind, one always wants to look at the man behind the curtain, or in this case, the woman behind the curtain. Shortly before he left office, uh, Mr. Yushchenko, as we looked at in a number of programs, Mr. Yushchenko named Stefan Bandera, the murdered former head of the OUND and an overt ally of the Third Reich. He was named a hero of the Ukraine, as was uh, Roman uh, Stukeyevich, the head of the UPA, that was the military wing of the OUNB, and more to the point, uh, Mr. Mr. Shukayevich or Shukayevich uh, was also the head of the Einsatzgruppe Nachtgau, or the Nachtgau Battalion. That was the Einsatzgruppe that liquidated the Jewish and part of the Polish population of the city of Lvov in World War II, uh, a city in the, the Lvov district has been renamed Nachtgau after the Nachtgau Battalion. Those acts of historical revisionism are absolutely representative of what the Yushchenko regime was all about. What we are going to be looking at in this program, uh, it will dominate the broadcast, time permitting. We will cover some of the other uh, relevant developments in the Ukraine. Uh, never lose sight, by the way, in passing, uh, of the fact that Ukraine has a quarter of all of the world's proven natural gas reserves. That makes it an enormous economic prize, and I will bet you dollars to donuts that that has a whole lot more to do with what's going on there than anything having to do with, quote, democracy, unquote, because as we have seen and as we are going to see big time, Democracy, unquote, has nothing whatsoever to do with the forces that are uh, holding sway in the Ukraine. Uh, President Yanukovych, although by all accounts both corrupt and manifestly incompetent, was actually a democratically elected head of state, and he was turned out in a violent coup d'etat. Looking at in this program, the Yushchenko regime engaged in an absolutely literal Orwellian remaking of history. When I use the term the Ministry of Truth from Orwell's 1984, that is absolutely substantively relevant here because Yushchenko set up a bureau to systematically remake the past of the Ukraine and to use demonization of the former Soviet Union and resistance to the former Soviet Union, basically anti-communism, as an ideological and political pivot point, so to speak, to remake the OUNB, again, an explicitly fascist organization involved with staffing SS uh, units such as the 14th Waffen-SS or Galician Division and various Einsatzgruppen that has been remade into an heroic organization. Uh, I have never seen a more literal application of uh, Orwellian principles here 